Let's hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I put my spirit in him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The coasts and islands will wait for his instruction. This is what God the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I am the Lord, I have called you for a righteous purpose, and I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you, and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations, in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Woo-hoo. Uh, my name is Damon Chris. I'm one of the elders here at, uh, at Reconcile Community Church. Um, our pastor, Will, is obviously not here. Past couple weeks, he had the opportunity to have some time just himself. He is in a place of worship today, too. He's not just taking off completely. But uh, he'll be back with us next week. We also had the opportunity to hear um, the other elder last week, Tom, give a very great message, and uh, so we're just happy to be here. We want to thank all the visitors who are here as well, and also the members. So um, this morning we are going to be in Isaiah, but I want to ask a little bit of a question for you. So have y'all ever made a promise? Raise your hand if you ever made a promise. All right, everybody's hands should be up because a week ago when we had New Year's, everybody make promises all the time, New Year's resolutions. Um, so when you think about a promise, it's a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. So, what were some of y'all resolutions? Eat healthy, yep. Prince? Pray more? All right. All right. So your promises may sound like this. Yeah, promise. 
<laughs> it's good to pray more, absolutely. <laughs> good, good. Encourage more people, okay. So I'm going to use something that's a survey. <laughs> so for 2024, the Forbes Health One Poll Survey, it was about a thousand adults. They found some resolutions that were very common for people. So number one thing was improve fitness. Everybody want to improve their fitness. Next was improve finances, improve mental health, uh, lose weight, improve diet. Now the less popular resolutions included like travel more, uh, meditate regularly, that was only like 5%, uh, drink less alcohol and perform better at work. That was like one of the lowest ones. Once a while. But overall, people like to make goals or resolutions. In the case of this, it's promises. We want to make promises to ourselves all the time. But y'all know what? We don't keep those promises. Right? The first week of the year, we like guns ho, like, yeah, we're going to make these promises. Next week, uh, maybe. Yeah. Week after that, what, what promise? And then, then a month later, you know, back to the same thing. So year after year, resolutions are made, yet you find many are broken. But the theme for our sermon today is this. Whatever you are waiting for, praying for, hoping for, Christ's birth, it's evidence that God keeps his promises. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, will you give me the word to say, and may people's ears be open to hear and live by the word of God. God, thank you for sending Jesus to show us the perfect way to love others. Jesus showed kindness and respect to everyone, no matter how they treated him. Please help us show the same love to the people in our lives who are tough to love. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Pastor Will, he likes to say, context is king. All right, that's his thing. That's like his hashtag. So I have another one. We're going to set the scene. So before we get to um, Isaiah 42, we have to set the scene. What is actually happening? We are in the Old Testament, so... God delivered his people from bondage in Egypt. He made a covenant. He made an agreement with them and brought them out of the wilderness into the land of Canaan. They became a nation and built a temple for the Lord. So for centuries, we saw their military victories. We saw defeats under the kings and generals. But the people, they strayed away from God's covenant. But prophets called them back. We had several different prophets, and Isaiah is one of them. Then in the 6th century before Christ, the unthinkable happened. The Babylonians, they defeated Israel. They destroyed their temple. They plundered Israel's treasure and livelihood. They took them into bondage and marched them back to the gates of Babylon in chains, which prompted Psalm 137.1, which stated, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remember Zion. The Babylonian victory over Israel was absolute. This was utter, complete devastation of the political, social, economic, and religious life of God's people had known for centuries. 
So I'm thinking, what are some questions that were going through the Israel people? What are they thinking? They may have some questions like this. How could the mighty deliverer allow this to happen? Has God abandoned them? Removed from access to the temple and to the land. Were this still God's people? Was God still God? In exile, they could only conclude that God had withdrawn favor and allowed the Babylonians to punish them for their sins and disobedience. Do you think the people of Israel thought that God did not keep his promise? So as we look in uh, Isaiah 42, 1 through 9, uh, it's, it's an honor to actually be able to teach at this time. And one thing you have to do, you definitely have to prepare. So you have to look at resources. You have to be able to make sure you communicate effectively. You know, I have the honor to do this, but we all should be in the Word, right? Have the opportunity to search and really understand the Scriptures. So one resource I want to just share with you that was helpful uh, studying the Bible is viewing videos on the Bible Project. Uh, they didn't pay me or anything for this or marketing, but I found it very helpful, especially when you're trying to learn about context, vocabulary, and also themes of the books of the Bible. Uh, my family, we actually uh, looked at the video about redemption, about uh, actually transgression, and they actually have videos that took it to the next level, which was really enlightening. So I'm just encouraging y'all to definitely, you know, check that out, especially when you're studying the Bible. So in the book of Isaiah, it can be viewed in two major parts. Uh, the first part was in chapters 1 through 39, and it was filled with sobering accounts of Israel's sins and their rebellion and warnings of their coming judgment. And then the second part, which is the verses that we're going to concentrate on today, along with these warnings, Isaiah 40 through uh, chapters 40 through 66, also offers a message of hope. A suffering servant, a coming Messiah, who would come to establish God's kingdom on earth and create a new Jerusalem. So Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9, sometimes it's called the servant song. I didn't know that. When I researched, I learned that. <laughs> These verses are about the servant Messiah, not the servant Cyrus, who was in chapter 41. Israel and the Messiah, they both were often called the servant. So Israel had a responsibility as God's servant that was to help bring the world to a knowledge of God. And as you can tell, as um, they were actually, they didn't fulfill that promise. But the Messiah Jesus would fulfill this task and show God himself to the world. So at the beginning of uh, chapter 42, God keeps his promises by announcing the coming of the Messiah. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. But here is my servant, the one I uphold, my chosen who brings me delight. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He won't cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in public. So into this identity crisis, Isaiah speaks a word. He draws, he says this, he draws their attention from this particular historical moment to a larger purpose of God, right? He reminds the people that who God is and how God works. So Isaiah speaks as though we see a camera lens zooming in. 
So in this situation with the Israel people, they're right now, they're actually captive. Only thing they're seeing right now is their actual situation. They're not looking at the bigger picture. I know last week uh, Tom talked about the cosmic view, right? But God has this cosmic view, right? A bigger lens on how the world looks. And by reminding Israel who God is and how God works and what God is doing, by sending a servant, Isaiah expands the frame or reference or relocating or purposing Israel's particularity within God's cosmic frame. So what does all this cosmic information mean to you? (laughs) As people, we get caught up in the moment and forget who God is. With certain situations that we're going through, we get bogged down. And I speak for myself, especially at work, I get caught up on my task that I need to do with my work. But forget about the bigger picture. So we need to take a step back from from our issues, our problems, and recognize who is God, how God works, and what God is doing through focusing on Christ. Verse 3, he won't break a bruised reed. He won't extinguish a faint wick, but he will surely bring justice. Isaiah proclaims God acts in particular ways. First, God sends a spirit-filled servant, not a conqueror or a tyrant. A, a, not a bruised reed he will not break in verse 3. But this agent of God is a liberator. He's a freer. He sets us free, who will bring justice, not the domination. <laughs> so how does this look for us? We often think we know how things should turn out or go about. We try to do things our way. But God is the one in control, not us. Um, you know, I'm thinking about that song, Usher. I like it my way. Nah, it's not my way. <laughs> it's God's way. <laughs> so the people of Israel at the time thought that God was going to come and just come in like a warrior, right? Just have, let these Babylonians have it. But God had a better plan by sending his son Jesus as a liberator of sin. He won't be extinguished or broken until he has established justice in the land. The coastlands wait his teaching. So God worked to bring justice here on earth. It wasn't just to bring it for the Israelites. It was to bring it to all and for everywhere. So God sends this servant to persevere until justice is done all the way to the coastlands. Now, I think on there it says islands as well. But it spread it throughout the whole world. He had a bigger plan. So when we look at these verses 1 through 4 uh, in, in Isaiah 42, we know about the New Testament, right? With God's gospel. So this promise was something the Israelites, they did not see this promise come into um, existence. But we do. So when you look at Matthew chapter 12, 18, 21, it's a reference to Isaiah 42, 1 through 4. The chosen servant reveals a character of gentleness, encouragement, justice, and truth. So Matthew 12, 18, 21 states this. Here is my servant who I have chosen, my beloved in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. 
and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. And this is just confirmation to how God fulfills his purposes. So when you feel broken and bruised or burnt out in your spiritual life, God won't step on your, you or toss you aside as something useless, but will gently pick you up. God's loving attributes are desperately needed in the world today. You know, even this morning we hear things that people go through, right, with families, with sickness. People need Christ. And through God's Spirit, we can show such sensitivity to people around us, reflecting God's goodness and honesty to them. Verse 5, God the Lord says, the one who created the heavens, the one who stretched them out, the one who spread out the earth, and its offspring, the one who gave breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. God is not the God of Israel only or even of Babylon, but the one who created the heavens and stretched out the earth. This is the God of creation who made everything that is and who dwelt in this wide, open, cosmic space, not contained by the cramped space of exile. This is the God who gives breath to the people upon the earth and spirit of those who walk in it. And when we're talking about promises, we need to remember that because it's easy to forget when we're going through things that God is bigger than us. The Lord has called you for a good reason. I will grasp your hand and guard you and give you a covenant to the people as a light to the nations. This is also the God who has reached out to create the particular people called Israel, to call them to righteousness and to keep them. This is the God of the expansive universe and the God of, the, of these very particular people. So, verse 7 says, To open blind eyes, to lead prisoners from prison, and those who sit in darkness from the dungeon. God purposes God's people to be a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison those who sit in the darkness. So what is God calling us to do? He's calling us to what? Be righteous, to not abandon them. And we're here for definitely to continue to share this with different nations. God even calls us to be what? His servants of his son, right? To actually bring this message. I was just talking to someone today about how we are the hands and feet. We are the message to actually bring God's word and to fulfill his mission. But what, how can we bring his mission, though? What should we do first? Or what should we do? We need to seek his righteousness. In Matthew 6, 33, before we demonstrate to others... We need to let his light shine in us before we can light shine light 
before others. There was this one word that was, uh, when we talk about like um, aspects of um, resolutions and everything, every year one thing that my family and I, we do, we try to think about it, God, what do you, what do you want for us this year? Um, what, what new thing or what do you want us to do? And there's always like a theme. And one thing was like new. This word new just kept coming to my mind. My mind new. Something is new. New. Okay, what's new? Are gonna get a new house or something? New car? What new? <laughs> but it wasn't that type of new. And um, as you study the word in the scripture, God continues to put people in your life and and words in your life. And that newness came as far as something need to renew my thinking. Right? And in Romans 12, 2, it said, uh, renew your mind into Christ, right? And the way you think about things. And that was something that, was, that spoke a lot to me these past uh, couple weeks. Um, and that was something to help with this verse that's coming up with 8 and 9. It says this, I am the Lord, that is my name. I don't hand out my glory to others or my praise to idols. The things announced in the past, look, they've already happened, but I'm declaring new things before they even appear. I tell you about them. This is good news. God is still God. God's people are still God's people in their particularity, yet with a purpose that extends beyond themselves to all the earth. The Almighty remains steadfast. And his chosen ones still have a unique role. Don't y'all know y'all the chosen ones? Reaching far beyond their own circle to embrace the entire world. If it's worth noting that Isaiah's comforting words aren't about triumphing over others. It's not about getting revenge. It's not about flipping the script on the Babylonians. It's not about let's conquer and make a list of all the people we took over. Rather, Isaiah shifts Israel's gaze here from themselves back to the wide cast of God's promise and plan. The horizon of possibility is no longer the hand in front of my face, but the very edge of the earth's coverture. A roomy expanse for God to declare new things that spring forth. This is a vision that is full of future. Now, some of y'all may think, like, vision, future, what does that look like? See, we see the prophecies in the Old Testament, like in the book of Isaiah, coming to existence in the New Testament. So, with this vision, what do we know? That Jesus is the ultimate example of how to be a servant that keeps his promises. Jesus shows us the perfect way to serve and love people by dying on the cross for our sins and conquering sin by resurrecting from the dead and being seated by the right hand of the Father in heaven. Y'all, we read that every week. That's called the Apostles' Creed. That is a promise of God. That is the truth. And that's something that we need to hold on to a vision as we move forward. So we, numer- we, we know numerous other accounts in the Bible how God the Father keeps his promises. The birth of Jesus Christ, 
Jesus Christ's baptism, Jesus' death and resurrection. All these events, God promised to present to his people, and God kept his promise. Now, this is good news. So, how can we actually live in these promises? So, we know the promises. They are true. They are in the scripture. So, what can we do to live out these promises? Well, one thing is we need to read God's word daily. When we interact with God's word, then you have fuel for the spirit to know who God is, how God works, and what God is doing, and how to love other people. God's will for your life will never contradict what is written in the scripture. So as you get to know God through prayer, Familiarize yourself with God's word. Memorize, memorize scripture. The more you study, I just told you all the Bible project earlier, right? The more you study the Bible, the more you desire will begin to reflect God's will. Second, communicate with God through prayer and worship. Y'all think about a, clo a close friend of yours, somebody you grew up with. If you've known them for a while, you know what they like and what they dislike, right? You don't even have to ask them. And the closer you are to someone, the more you understand them. The same goes with our relationship with God. Knowing God's will comes from having honest conversations with him. We just learned that with the children's Bible today, with the children's sermon, right? Praying, having open conversations with God. The third thing is this, listen to the Holy Spirit. Last week, um, Tom, he was sharing that in Ephesians about how the Holy Spirit is powerful. A couple weeks ago, we talked about that in children's ministry as well, about what is the Holy Spirit. Listening for the Holy Spirit often requires silencing the noise around you. We have a lot of distractions, right? From Facebook to... <laughs> I got tasks to do and this and that. We have distractions. And we wonder why we can't hear the Holy Spirit. When you get rid of the distractions and stop fixating on fear, you start to notice God's peaceful presence in your present circumstances. So as you pray and search the scriptures, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and allow God to silence any distractions. And that's an active thing that we have to do constantly. Because things are always going to try to take your attention away from what God promised and God has in store for you. And the fourth one, this may hit home a lot for y'all. Find accountability by joining a growth group. Here at Reconcile, we have growth groups. Spending time and serving with other believers. Um, one thing that's very helpful is to remember um, you can't do this journey on your own. You need to surround yourself with people who will actually encourage you and challenge you as well. But not only challenge you, make sure that you're actually following God's word. So if you are in the scripture and praying and actually listening to the Holy Spirit, when you with other people, that advice should actually go hand in hand. And if it doesn't, you got a problem. But uh, <laughs> but it should not take you to a place. It should take you to a place to help you grow. 
And we have many opportunities here at the church. Like I said, we have growth groups that meet weekly. Some meet every other week. We have opportunities to work with the youth here at Reconcile Church on Wednesdays. There are many things to get involved, but one thing to live out the promises and actually take the focus off yourself is to actually start serving other people. So in closing, there are many reasons why people set New Year's resolutions, right? To get a fresh start, reflection, culture traditions, and goal setting, and motivation for positive change. But we should put our trust in promises that are guaranteed. So why should we believe in God's promises? Oh, good question. Thank y'all for asking me. <laughs> uh, we have the shepherd's promise, and this comes from Psalm 23. It's a very famous psalm. And it's a poem about God as our shepherd. It's all about how God knows what is best for us. He knows who we are and the path we should walk in life because he is our shepherd. He also is our protector, guarding us from evil. And then at the end of Psalm 23, there is a promise for all of us. For those who follow God and listen to his guidance, the writer says that goodness and mercy will follow us. So what does this mean that God's goodness and mercy will follow us? Well, I'm like, I like to tell you what it, it does not mean. It does not mean that our life will go according to our plans. It does not mean life will be free of pain and problems. Psalm 23, 4 tells us that we will still have to walk through the dark, what? Valleys in life. Here's what it does mean. God will always be with us. God is always good to us. Life may not always be easy or go according to our plans, but God promises to always be there for us. Because of these truths, the writer of this psalm says that his desire is to be with God in God's house forever. We talk about his vision. What is our vision? We ought to desire the same thing as well. It is because of God's goodness and mercy that we will one day join him in heaven and to be with him forever. So, take some time out today. Matter of fact, some time out this week, this month, this whole 2024, and consider God as your shepherd who cares for you and protects you. Thank him that his goodness and mercy will never end but will follow you every day of your life. Let's pray.